Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the show today. We are going through Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 because this coming Sunday is Pentecost Sunday, 50 days after the resurrection, um, a massively significant event in the history of the church. Would you guys say it's overstatement to say that Acts chapter 2 kind of formed the rest of the New Testament? After the Gospels, I mean, in terms of mission and and um, the letters that are springing up in, in the different places, you you've got a narrative in in all of Acts, and in one sense, uh, the narrative is talking about something. In many ways, it's unrepeatable. This is first century. This is the this is the gospel going forward, uh, where we get the, a real exposition of the things that we that form our principles and practices as a church, we'll get from the epistles themselves. But in this na- narrative, I think you do have a, a particularly, a, you know, a dividing line, you might say. From the ascension, when, when Christ goes to heaven, sends forth his spirit to be poured out on all flesh, then you, you have something unique that's happened. Whereas before you had, um, you know, Israel as a, a small cultural geographic a corner of the world. Now the gospel is said to have gone forth everywhere. First Thessalonians one eight talks about the spirits coming. The gospel has gone forth everywhere, and so Paul can state the gospel has gone out into the whole world. It's bearing fruit in its increase. Colossians one five through six, and so there is a distinction that you know in that way everything changes yeah. going forward. Yeah. We don't understand how significant, I don't believe, that the giving of the Spirit is. And it seems as if Pentecostals have taken the market on this, this whole idea of the work of the Spirit. I, I don't believe that's always that helpful. Um, it's sad to me that in the Reformed tradition we have not made more of the work of the Spirit um, because one of the people that helped with the, the initiation of some of the, the Reformed faith, John Calvin, was considered to be a theologian of the Holy Spirit. Um, so it's not because people have not written on the Holy Spirit, have not talked about the Holy Spirit, have not tried to help us. What happened was, unfortunately, I think the Reformed Church overreacted against um, Pentecostalism of of the 20th century, and we, in so many ways, have forsaken uh, a proud heritage. Um, but Jesus understood how significant this moment was. So he preps his disciples in the upper room. Um, He talks about this in John 14, but in John 16, there's this incredible um, statement. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me... 
for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And then Jesus says this, all that the Father has is mine. So what does that mean? That the Spirit is taking all that the Father has and is declaring it to us. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And so there's this huge moment in the in the life of the church where for the first time that fullness is poured out and it's the fullness of God on his people and we go forth and live in that power and authority and Jesus says this before his ascension he tells the disciples go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the father and what's the promise power from on high. What's that power? The Holy Spirit. And I don't think we recognize the significance one of, the ways of that. that. One of the ways that we do recognize this is the, the promise that he's making to those disciples in the upper room is, is the promise of the inspiration of Scripture, mm-hmm. which, we, which is the truth of God. All, all that the Father has revealed through the Spirit has been recorded for us in his word. So, one of the ways we understand that, and we we definitely have to have an appreciation of the Word of of, of God here. It's not just that uh, you know we're we're sitting in a in a room waiting for the Spirit to speak to us. He has spoken. He's mm-hmm. spoken in the revelation of God's truth here. Yeah, absolutely. So if you break up the, uh, the this this sermon at Pentecost into a couple, at least a couple of different parts. Peter, Peter, first of all, explains what's going on. Hey, the, this, this, this speaking in tongues that you're hearing, this is that, this is, this is what we talked about yesterday. Joel chapter two, the spirit of God will be poured out on our flesh. And then he transitions to what he really wants to say, right? Because then he right. says, uh, men of Israel hear these words. And then he, he, talks about this Jesus whom God had sent you crucified. And then the very first scripture he quotes after that is regarding David of old. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, you know, I saw the Lord always before me for he is in my right hand uh, that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad, my tongue rejoiced, my flesh also will dwell in hope for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. So he's quoting Psalm 16 here. And so mm-hmm. now Peter is going to give a commentary on what David meant. And he mm-hmm. says, brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us this day. So first of all, why is David even relevant here? Why is he quoting David? Why is that important? Because it's the promise to David that there's going to be a king that's going to come. And so in here, he's saying David is writing these things not about himself. He's really writing about his offspring. Mm-hmm. Um, the one to come, the promised one, and this was the covenant David's back in greater son, yes, right, the covenant back in Second, Second Samuel, Samuel seven. seven. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if I'm a Jew, you know, at the time of um, the Babylonian captivity, or even the 400 years between, you know, Babylon and the coming of Christ, I'm pr- probably I'm despairing that it looks like God's promises have failed because He mm-hmm. promised David that a, that a son would always sit on the throne, that he would he would be established forever, and that all these other promises would come to pass too. That they they would be in the land of Jerusalem, that they would not be uprooted, that they would have peace from their enemies, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it seems like disaster, right? 
It's no wonder that the very first verse in the New Testament Gospels, in Matthew chapter 1, it says, you know, Jesus Christ, the Son of David. It opens up with those words, Mm -hmm. um, basically saying what you thought about God's promises failing, they have not failed at all. Uh, Jesus is the 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 spiritual and and true and better fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. And one of the problems is is that uh, the people of Israel at that time, particularly in the uh, Pharisee Sadducees, uh, those leaders, they didn't recognize who Jesus was when he came. And this is why, uh, you know, after the after the crucifixion resurrection. Uh, Peter's pointing back. Uh, he's pointing back to the resurrection. He's 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 talking about how Jesus did uh, all these uh, mighty works and wonders and signs that God did in their own midst. He's 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 making uh, a reference to that. You should have known. Mm-hmm. You know, there were times you know that Israel should have should have known. Uh, Jesus on his way into the triumph. In his triumphal entry, when he's told to silence his disciples, he says, "Look, if I silence the disciples, the rock very rocks would cry out. Yeah. They should know." And and that so, the resurrection um, because it happened, you know, it, because it was a it was a bodily resurrection because Jesus had been seen for forty days during the period between his resurrection and ascension. You know, you now have the disciples who have been you know, hiding away, you know, in one sense, now being filled with the Spirit are out publicly, boldly stating these things that everybody's aware of, but nobody's speaking about. Mm -hmm. And it has this profound effect. You know, Pentecost uh, means Jerusalem's filled with um, Jewish believers, um, believers in in Israel, uh, hoping for the Messiah. You know, in fact, even you know, I, I was in Israel in 1985. I can still remember uh, seeing in a shop window, "We want Messiah now." Yeah, uh, a, a, a sign. Yeah. Uh, you know, people who've missed the Messiah that came want this Messiah that's been promised in the Old Testament. Well, and that's that's essentially you know Peter's point here. He says, "This Jesus who you crucified, uh, this one is the one that David was speaking about." Um, in in verse thirty, Peter continues. He says, "David, being a prophet, knowing that God had sworn an oath to him—that's the covenant—that he would set one of his descendants on his throne. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ. That he had, was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up. And so, essentially, what what Peter is mm-hmm. saying here is the very offspring that God promised me that would now sit on my throne." Um, that's exactly what happened when Jesus was mm-hmm. risen from the dead and exalted to the right hand of God. Jesus now sits on the throne of David. Yes, and 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 in that process, in that sermon, Peter can stand there. He can point to the uh, the tomb of David. You know, it, it existed. And the people knew where it was. His body's still His there. His body's still there, desiccated as it was, you know, and just bones, but it's still there. But, you know, the tomb that Jesus was placed in, it's he's, empty. It's empty. Yep. Yep. And what Peter's saying is there, there was a promise that the psalmist was holding on to. And that promise is for David, but only because of his son, the true mm-hmm. son of David, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. That because God did not allow him to see corruption, that means that someday our decayed bodies will be resurrected. Mm -hmm. That there was a resurrection that guarantees all of our 
resurrection. But he goes on to say that the resurrection was just a stepping stone to the ascension. Mm -hmm. That the ascension comes, and because of the ascension of Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. and this is the other psalm, Psalm 110, Mm -hmm. sit at my right hand. Um, God the Father is saying God to God the Son, you've accomplished all that I've sent you to do. Now be glorified at my right hand as the God-man, and with that comes the fruit of your victory and the fruit of the victory. Now you get the promise of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. that you can send to your people, yeah. to our people. Yeah. Um, and I think an argument can make, be made that in some ways the ascension is actually more significant than even the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the it's, it's the, the exaltation. Apex. Yeah, it's the exaltation. It is the true triumphal entry. He, you know, he 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 receives his his throne, and he has all power and authority over heaven and earth. This is the this is what's taking place in heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, we we see that we 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 saw him lifted up, but uh, we don't see what it says in Daniel that uh, you know you know. Uh, the one like the Son of Man comes before the Ancient of Days, which is God Himself, God the Father, and He's given all authority. This is that's the other side of the picture. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, and this promise of the Holy Spirit. So, so circling back to what you had said. Oh, I have no time to finish that thought because we have about ten seconds left. <laughs> Close us out, Russ. Thank you for listening to the Gospel for Life. We will see you tomorrow.